0: Well, welcome to this conversation. I'm Teresa Keller, your host, and my guest today is pretty big time, Major Kristen Wolf, who is commander of the F-35A Lightning II demonstration team with the Air Force and is talking to us today from Hill Air Force Base in Utah. All right, well, we're off and rolling then. And the first thing I want to say to listeners is, make a note, Kristen Wolf, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, Wolf, with an E on the end, and Google her to see what we're going to be talking about. It is phenomenal. Thank you for being here. And first of all, Kristen, I wanted to ask you, you know, you've been interviewed everywhere, the Today Show, TV stations, major publications, and of course, now the pinnacle, W E H C F M. <laughs> and this came about in a very unusual way. What's the first thing you heard about doing this interview with me?
1: I think my grandmother actually sent me a text uh, before Christmas, and then uh, sent words through my mom what she was trying to trying
0: to do. Uh, I think she was the one that probably got it all started. It was your grandmother. Your grandmother and my mother are in a lunch group together, and she was bragging about you. And I said, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I'd love to interview her. And she was relentless. She was not going to let you off the hook. I understand that she kind of nudged you several times. Yeah, I got a couple of reminders over Christmas break. That's for Uh, sure. Well, that's good. (laughs) And so you have connections to this area. Our radio station is in Emory, Virginia, close to Abingdon. But you've spent time in this area over holidays with your grandmother and grandfather?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially as a little kid. Uh, My mom was born in Bristol. um, So that's where my grandparents lived uh, initially and then moved to the Abingdon area. So I've been up there uh, tons of times, mostly for Christmas and
0: uh, some summer holidays. Before we talk about how you have made your mark in history... In a major way, let's talk about the stories that I heard about your being called a little monkey, oh boy, climbing trees, and then there's the fish story about how you could eat more fish at the age of five <laughs> than any adult. Is all that true?
1: Nah, that is probably true. with A little bit of grandma exaggeration somewhere in there.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's hard to exaggerate your accomplishments And what you've done as a little kid, I take it, that you learned from your father what a fighter pilot is.
1: Yeah, um, you know, my dad was a fighter pilot, um, but it was kind of, you know, just what dad did every day. I was born on an Air Force base, uh, you know, followed him around the country and around the world, honestly. He was still in the Air Force when I joined. So uh, he had a a solid 27-year career um, doing, you know, fighter pilot things in F-4s and F-15s. So that's kind of where I learned, you know, what the mentality and what the lifestyle is like to
0: be in the military, but not only I'd be a fighter pilot as well. Well, you were the first female pilot of this F-35 plane, is that right?
1: Not the first female, um, the first one to lead a single ship demonstration team, uh, like
0: the one I'm currently on. So you lead the team, you are a commander This is the question that I have, and I know you get this all the time, being the first woman to do something is historic. It has seemed to me over the years, as I've observed and learned, that it's hard for little girls to set a goal to be something that they haven't seen other women do. You saw your dad do it. Did it ever occur to you that being female was unusual for that or might make it harder when you set your sights on being a fighter pilot
1: um i don't think so necessarily you know i don't really remember walking around the fighter squadrons or running around as a little kid and ever seeing a female in a flight suit but you know i was fortunate enough to grow up in you know a household and a family and just a community where i wasn't told no because i was a female ever um, and it wasn't something i ever really second guessed uh, for any career field really it was always you know what do you want to do when you grow up and you can do anything you want which like you said, doesn't always exist today. And even though we've had females in fighter aircraft for 30 years now, people still don't realize that when we take airplanes on the road and and girls get out of airplanes, that they can do that too. So whether it's changing generations mindsets from the older generations uh, that may not have seen that in their lifetime, or realize that it's evolved to become that way, or even the little kids still don't recognize that because they, maybe they don't see it uh, on TVs or in movies, you know, and that's why it's important to Take the airplane on the road. Show people uh, an actual, you know, somebody that looks looks talks has been to the same background as them. Maybe get out of the airplane, just to change maybe you know, some people's mindsets uh, about what they can do.
0: Well, I'm going to use you as a confessional and tell you what I did just two weeks ago, and see if it <laughs> see if it gets your ire up. I guess I'm an example of the generational shift, and I've tried to keep up, and I've tried to be aware, especially as a woman and having had my own challenges. But I was interviewing a man, his name is Vernon Miles, and he's just been, after retiring from the Air Force, he's been called back to Korea. And he was talking about his youth and deciding to be a pilot. And oh, Kristen, do you know what I said? I said, oh, that seems like quite a masculine kind of thing to choose. I immediately (laughs) realized how awful that was to say and tried to correct myself, but would you just like to lecture me on that?
1: <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of stereotypes uh, out there in the world. and and obviously, something that you know goes really fast, a very powerful, expensive machine uh, that's very aggressive flying, kind of lends itself towards more of a masculine persona, if you will. But I think it's just you know getting people's mindsets out there to change either the the verbiage they use or uh, even the ideas they have. And it, honestly, in a lot of things and a lot of realms not just being a fighter pilot it takes you know somebody actually seeing someone do something they didn't expect um you know we've got you know obviously like the the huge spectrum of fighter pilots on this base we have about a hundred fighter pilots and you know you look at every single one of them and be like i can't believe that person's a fighter pilot you know five one hundred ten pounds soaking wet uh but in the end if you can fit in the cockpit and fly the plane the plane doesn't
0: know the difference. That's kind of the thing we like to kind of hammer home to people. Well, thank you. And you let me off really easy. But while we're (laughs) still talking about the background, and you mentioned that nobody ever told you no, and that you saw your father being a fighter pilot, I, I think while we're doing the local shout outs, we need to mention your mother from what I understand from your grandmother, that your mother, her name was Maria Large. And she made quite a large impact when she was in high school as an athlete. You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, I can't list off all of her accomplishments, but she was one of those, you know, not even 90 pounds soaking wet out of high school, I think, kind of became a cross-country track star um, in the Bristol area. Uh, Eventually went to nationals and then ran track and cross-country at Auburn University. So she's had her, her share of the fame as well and kind of a hometown hero, of course. But, and then obviously she kind of evolved into being that military spouse, following the family and supporting us as we move around the country, uh, giving up some of her dreams to do that. So she is definitely kind of the, the backbone of the family when it comes to that military life. Well,
0: I hope that we have some listeners in the Bristol area who might remember her uh, from, from her famous days around here and uh, join in the pride that we feel in this area to have any kind of connection to you. You talked about the power of these planes. Again, I want to remind people to Google Major Kristen Wolf, my guest today, and to look at what you do in those planes. Tell us about the fighter jet, how fast it goes, and what you do in your demonstrations around the country and around the world.
1: Yeah, um, I have a unique opportunity um, to be part of the demo team right now. It's not something that we... I normally, do as you know, combat fighter pilots, it's a very different type of flying, but it's a, a short term uh, job that you know, we take people, both pilots and maintainers, out of combat units. We put them on the F 35 demonstration team, is what we're a part of. So, there's myself, so one pilot, uh, 10 maintainers, um, people that maintain my gear, uh, public affairs, um, and we are all on a team together that travel to about 20, 25 locations a year uh, to mostly air shows all around the country, sometimes internationally. And our whole goal is to uh, we say recruit, retain, inspire the next generation to fill our shoes or just get excited about aviation, uh, whether it's on the military, civilian side, whether it's to be a pilot, a maintainer, somebody, you know, even in the medical field for the military, our whole goal is to go out there and uh, get people, um, you know, inspired or patriotic about what we do. So um, we go to air shows, uh, which are normally on the weekends, normally in kind of the summer, springtime months and fall, and we show off the airplane. So I'm sure people have heard of the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels. Those are a little bit different than what we do. They're flying, you know, six jets in formation with each other. We're flying one fighter airplane at a time. So a single ship show, about 15 minutes, trying to show off the max capability of the airplane. So the airplane can go 1.6 Mach, so 1.6 times the speed of sound. In the air show, we can't go supersonic. So we're limited to 0.95 Mach, which is right around 600 miles an hour. And that's kind of the fastest that we can show people. But really, we just try to show off some of the combat capabilities of the airplane uh, because you can't really show that off to the general public very well, you know, at an air show environment. But, you know, just the general air show aerobatics that everybody likes to see, you know, loops, barrel rolls, just really exciting slow speed,
0: high speed passes, all that good stuff. Well, now, about this time last year, you were showing off the airplane at the Super Bowl, I understand.
1: Yeah, we were uh, super fortunate timing. Um, Generally, the Air Force and the Navy alternate years to perform the flyover. The Thunderbirds usually do the flyover uh, a lot of the time. So last year was they chose to honor, you know, 75th birthday of the Air Force and have a five-ship flyover. Um, so they had we have four single ship demo teams. So F-35, F-22, A-10 and F-16, which are teams just like ours. There's different bases where those airplanes are located. And then uh, we were led actually by a P-51 Mustang flown by a civilian pilot. Uh, who we're trained to fly with on a daily basis at air shows. But it was a unique challenge trying to get, you know, a formation that we've never flown before with five different airplanes, trying to shack the timing over a, a stadium that was unfortunately closed, that doesn't have a retractable roof, and trying to talk, you know, a civilian onto the timing to, you know, shack the national anthem when he's flying a World War II airplane that has None of the Gucci systems that we have in our fighters, but we put him out front, and and he did a spectacular job in in leading us straight over the top of that thing.
0: Wait, what did you mean, you shack
1: the? <laughs> yeah, mean? I guess that's a yeah. go watch the military jargon. But he basically hit the hit the nail on the head with the timing. So he hit it, you know, to the second. National anthem ends, and you got the flyover right after. Is kind of what everybody's always trying to to achieve.
0: Now you mentioned the the difference between flying in formation and flying single yeah so
1: you probably find a bunch of videos of it on youtube but uh, we're flying a five ship kind of like a flying v formation uh, that we put together uh, to show off fifth generation fighters on one wing and then fourth generation fighters on the other wing so kind of looks like p51 out front and then two fighters on each of his
0: left and right wing you had to slow down to fly with the super bowl <laughs> right
1: Oh, yeah. Um, those those airplanes don't go uh, super fast. Um, so we were flying right around 250 knots. So a little bit faster than that in miles per hour. But for a fighter, uh, that's pretty slow. Um, so normally, you know, if we're going to and from the airspace, we're flying at 350 knots. You know, we're going cross country trying to get to an air show. We're flying normal airliner speeds, you know, upwards of 600 knots ground speed. So... Two fifty gets down there pretty slow.
0: In flying in formation, I remember hearing one time how challenging that is in terms of being close to the other planes, and how if you just make the slightest miscalculation, it can be big trouble. Was it? Is it anything like that in what you were doing in those kinds of formations?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always a risk involved, um, particularly when you're flying in what we call dissimilar airplanes. But what you know, we're trained to fly. Formation um, from the early days of pilot training. So, you know, that was over 10 years ago for me. But we fly it, we start, you know, in slower airplanes and they build you up to fast jets. It's easier to fly off of a similar airplane. So, flying two F 35s next to each other is a lot easier because the airplanes handle identically, as well as you're flying an airspeed that's comfortable for both of you. Uh, but to slow that formation down, fly off of something that has, you know, a different wingspan, um, different vortices, different flight characteristics. Uh, can be a little bit challenging and and different. But um, like I said, all five of us have flown together and we actually have a yearly training conference actually coming up here in March that we go to and we practice those things. So we're not necessarily practicing for the Super Bowl, but we fly in formation together at air shows also. And so we're practicing flying two ships, three ships, four ships next to each other of those dissimilar airplanes uh, to kind of get used to not only uh, the characteristics of the airplanes, but also the different pilots that are flying them. Because every pilot's going to fly Slightly differently, you know, make different radio calls. Uh, So, just to
0: get used to each other and familiar uh, is really important. My guest today is Major Kristen Wolf. She is the first woman to lead an F 35 demonstration team, if I have that right. But the big thing is she's now commander of the F 35A Lightning II demonstration team for the Air Force. And you had mentioned the power of the plane and what you do in these demonstrations. I just want to again remind people to google it so you can see for yourself but i saw the video of you on that monstrosity of a powerful machine <laughs> you, in the demonstration you're you go straight up you go over on the back you do spins you fly straight down toward the ground and all this is at 600 plus miles an hour possibly how i can't imagine it, it like you, you must have superhuman reaction times to do that. Um, I,
1: I don't know. I think, I mean, like I said, I've been flying for over 10 years in the Air Force um, and they build you up from very slow planes to very fast planes. Uh, so a lot of it just comes naturally, um, but with a lot of practice, you know, I've got about 1500 hours flying for the Air Force. And so that just comes with a lot of habit patterns that are built to one, keep you safe. Um, and we have a lot of safety measures, you know, we fly very regimented. Uh, very scripted routines. You know, air speeds, altitudes. A lot of safety things are are programmed into that to make sure that, you know, I'm just not out there going, uh, all you know, wild dingo, doing whatever I want out there. It's very uh, moderated, if you will. Uh, yes, it's dangerous. You know, pointing at the ground, going. Three hundred miles an hour and, and recovering the airplane that that is dangerous inherently, but people probably won't believe
0: me when I tell them it is
1: it is relatively safe. No, I don't believe I that for a second.
0: But <laughs> I I just believe that uh, you know that the skill involved and, and you're being modest, but clearly you have risen through the ranks and achieved something that that is in an elite group of people. Can you own that, Kristen? Major. Wolf.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. There's very slim percent of the population is you know, eligible to want to even join the military, much less uh, make it to through pilot training and to become a fighter pilot. So well aware of that. Um, but also, you know, it takes a lot of luck and timing and and just hard work. So we like to kind of, you know, focus on that part. But um, and that's why it's so hard to, you know, recruit the next generation to, to do what we do, because um, there's not a lot of sometimes you don't find the motivation to be a part of the military when you're out of these, you know, civilian environments, people didn't have family members that were in the military. Um, you know, they're never been exposed to aviation, never thought they could do it. Um, so all those things start to narrow down a very small pool of people that we're
0: trying to, you know, hopefully have fill our shoes. So, so go uh, ahead and a- give your 25 second pitch to the young girl. Who's on the elevator with you about why she should join the military and become a fighter pilot yeah um
1: honestly, I feel like I'm flying a roller coaster uh by myself every single day um you know there's only one person in the cockpit and I'm flying a seventy million dollar airplane um uh, you know up to twelve hundred miles an hour um so there's not not much else to sell it um in regards to that, but um it's one of the coolest jobs in the world one to to be able to fly any plane uh, but to be able to fly for the military fly for your country is really exciting um but it's it's just a great job, you know, and aviation is a hugely expanding market, both on the civilian and the military side. Um, It's kind of, you know, obviously rapidly growing faster than we can keep up with. So it's definitely a a great spot to be, whether you're on the pilot side, the maintainer side. Uh, There's a lot of different ways to get involved in aviation, even from as as a little kid, uh, for parents listening, uh, to be able to get your kid involved in Civil Air Patrol, take him out to the airports, um, get him a ride, you know, in a small Cessna. Any of that can be, you know, life changing and, and change somebody's goals.
0: You are not just a demonstration pilot. I understand you were deployed in the Middle East, but can you tell us about that?
1: Uh, Yeah. So um, like I said, I mean, most fighter pilots are combat mission ready pilots uh, training to actually do real world things uh, out there anywhere in the globe. So I'm a very niche subset of that. But before this, I was flying the F-22 Raptor uh, for three years out at Langley, um, deployed with that airplane to the Middle East, and then switched over to the F-35 in 2017. Um, have not deployed with this airplane. I took over the uh, job to be on the demo team uh, as my squadron was getting ready to go out the door. But, you know, flying out in the Middle East when I was out there, not not a what was going on. You know, the war was kind of winding down. Um, it's always rewarding to kind of spin up for taking the squadron, you know, out to, you know, to war. It's not the big war that we train for every day. It's not the real complicated threats that we talk about as far as, you know, near peer Russia China things but I mean it is rewarding to get out there and say that you know you've done done your piece uh, of the mission in some capacity
0: yeah I wanted just to have you talk about that because you know we're we're not just talking about powerful planes we're talking about warfare we're talking about combat is that a challenge you would welcome um, I mean not that we want a war but I mean if there were that situation would you want to be there
1: um I mean you, you know obviously When we train day in and day out in these squadrons, you know, we have 78 airplanes here in Utah on the ramp, um, and they're all combat-ready airplanes. They're the same airplanes we take to air shows. We don't do anything different to them. Uh, You know, you could take my airplane from an air show, put two bombs on it and two missiles, and it could be in war the next day. So that is kind of the mission of every single other person on this base versus the demo team. Um, So our focus is just very different right now. But if I were back in a combat squadron, then that's something that, you know, those guys not necessarily dream of, uh, but they spent a lot of time and effort and focus towards making sure that we're ready for that. And there's a lot of different aspects of that, you know, going into uh, an Asian theater versus a Middle East theater versus trying to protect, you know, people from Russia. All those sorts of things are very, very different trainings um, that I think, you know, we're ready to do if we need to. But obviously, we don't want one of those big wars to kick off
0: at all. OK, here's my simplistic question. That plane is recognizes like the newest, the best, the most sophisticated, and that stealth is supposed to be one of its strong suits. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that works, but I'm just looking at what I see on YouTube and thinking, how could anybody even shoot at you because you're going so fast? Is that a (laughs) silly question? And so talk about what the risks are and how the stealth factor figures in. Yeah. um, So both the F-22 and f thirty five.
1: Uh, our fifth-generation airplanes, which means primarily stealth, is our um, kind of our big characteristic that we like to talk about. Mostly based off of the shape of the airplane and some of the materials that coat it. Uh, bottom line, we can be stealthier and get in closer to systems, both air-to-air and air-to-ground, uh, and hopefully survive longer than older fourth-generation airplanes or bombers, uh, tankers, all those those things that are going to be seen by systems, you know, over a hundred miles away. Hopefully, we can get in much, much, much closer. Um, Our survivability is increased probably tenfold. Um, And we get in closer, we can drop our bombs, shoot our missiles prior to ever being detected or even tracked or shot. Uh, So that's really important in this day and age when, you know, there's, you know, really advanced systems out there, advanced fighters, advanced SAM systems that are trying to track us and shoot us um, to have those stealth assets, especially in the first part of the war, uh, to take out those dangerous things. So we can have uh, some of our other non-stealthy assets come in that can carry a bigger payload. Uh, and actually start to affect uh, things with, you know, bigger bombs, more missiles, all that kind of stuff. All
0: right. I hope you can answer this question. And then you may have to shoot us for telling us. But what is the thing about the plane that it can do that most amazes you?
1: Um, man, I think it's, I mean, honestly, it's mostly the sensors on the airplane uh, that you can't see because it's all embedded in the skin of the airplane. Uh, the thing is a, a huge flying computer. Uh, with a lot of avionics, a lot of um, sensors in the leading edges, computers, you know, avionics racks and all that stuff. All that's doing is processing tons of information at the time um, and putting it into a format on one single screen in front of the pilot that we can digest and comprehend and make decisions based off of. Um, So both the Raptor and the uh, F-35 Lightning do the same thing as far as it's called sensor fusion. Putting all that information in one very legible, easy to digest, you know, picture in front of you so that we can have wingmen who are brand new in the f-35 uh go out there you know 25 years old 26 single seat fighter pilot you know we don't put somebody in their back seat telling them what to do and i can put them 20 miles off my wing and uh, know that they're going to make the correct decisions Uh, it's a different mentality than we used to fight you know with four airplanes in visual formation really close where you had a close hold on on the young guys telling them what to do and who to shoot um, we operate in a much, much more autonomous regime um, with these airplanes because of the information that gets presented to us in a very simplistic way on the the screen. It can get very, very, very complex real quick. Don't get me wrong. But there's just all that information. Um, I can get that and make decisions much faster than people could, you know, decades ago.
0: And you're making those decisions at mock speed up there. What's the <laughs> scariest moment you ever had in an airplane?
1: Oh, man. Um, I've been fortunate, um, knock on wood, to not have any big emergencies, um, you know, or flying a single engine airplane. So you're, you're relying on, uh, a big old 40,000 pound thrust machine, uh, to work all the time to get you, get you up and bring you down safely. I can't say I've had anything, you know, crazy, crazy, scary. Uh, I'm fortunate also to be flying some of the newest airplanes we have out there. Uh, which means, you know, when I take an airplane to an air show, the, the year on the tail is sometimes, you know, 2020, 2021, which means that airplane has, you know, sometimes I've, we've taken airplanes to air shows that have less than 200 hours on them, which is crazy. So, which also means, yeah, some of the kinks are going to get worked out of them, uh, but they're very, very reliable, very redundant. Um, it's, you know, a totally different world than flying an airplane that, you know, was built in the 60s that we're still flying today.
0: So no seriously scary moment. Well, you what know, my grandma's that? listening. So I can't, I can't really tell her all the oh, scary that's that what happen. it is. That's <laughs> what it is. Well, just tell me about that 40,000 pounds of thrust. Does your skin feel like it's coming off of your face?
1: No, I mean, you're closed in the cockpit. So you don't really feel G-forces that way. You feel them downwards when you're maneuvering aggressively and flying really fast. So that's not always the most fun um, to pull, you know, up, upwards of nine, nine and a half Gs. Um, but you, you kind of get used to it with all the flying and all the protective gear that you're wearing as well.
0: That helps. Okay. No scary moment. What about your proudest moment? Proudest moment.
1: Um, man, uh, I mean, proudest moment early on was probably uh, getting selected to fly the F 22 Raptor. Um, just cause, uh, you know, not a lot of people, a lot of people get to fly that airplane. There's not a lot of them built. It's a small community. Um, and it's uh, a pretty elite airplane, probably one of the best ever built proudest after that. Um, Honestly, probably whenever I get to bring family out to air shows and just see them, uh, you know, probably enjoy the air show more than I do. Uh, seeing my mom cry up there on the air boss stand because she's so excited to see me taxi by or or talk to me on the radio. Uh, that's always exciting uh, for yeah. me. So it's not really something that I'm doing, but seeing them
0: enjoy it. What's the next show you've got? What's coming up in the near future?
1: Yeah. Funny you ask. Um, I'm scheduled to go to India on Monday uh, to fly in a trade show over there for uh, about a week. So trying to hop on a plane out of Salt Lake and take the 30 hour journey in economy to get to India. Oh, really? Like Uh, a regular,
0: you fly in a regular plane to get
1: there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For this one, um, we have airplanes that are closer uh, that are stationed in Alaska. So uh, there are two guys actually leaving today they're going to hop from Alaska to Hawaii, Hawaii to Guam, and Guam to India. So they're taking a multi-day trip to
0: to get two F-35s over to India for us today. All right. Any any Are you coming anywhere close anytime soon?
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. I think probably the closest to you guys would either be uh, Langley Air Force Base, Virginia, which is, I know, quite a drive, or uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Might be a little bit closer. I'm not sure. But our schedule is up on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter also. And that's always... Could be changing, but those are probably the closest
0: two that I can think of. All right. Well, our time is up. Gosh, this has been fun. I hope I know your grandmother's listening, and I hope all of her friends and many (laughs) other relatives are listening. Major Kristen Wolf, command an F 35A Lightning II demonstration team, talking to us from Hill Air Force Base in Utah with connections to Abingdon and Bristol. And what an honor to talk to you, uh, Major Wolf. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being with us. And thanks above all to the listeners for tuning in. This is This Conversation on WEHC 90.7 and WISE in WISE. You can hear our program Wednesday at six, Sunday at two, and you can find us on podcast sites. Go to wehcfm.com and you can find a link to podcasts there if you want to make it easy. Thanks again, Major Wolf. Thanks again, everybody. See you next time.